0: If you ask me to design a 50-story building, you'll probably be hiring the wrong person. But you ask me to do a secondary suite, there is really nothing that I don't know about that. You're
1: listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate
0: investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
2: Hello Right Club Nation this is Danielle Saint-Jean one of the co-founders before we get started i wanted to ask you a quick question have you checked out the rock yet what's the rock well it's the right club online community a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people we have interactive forums all the podcast episodes, and hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training, and education, and much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with the podcast.
1: Right Club Nation, welcome back to another awesome episode. This week we've got a great guest, but before we get into that, I'm here today. I'm Sarah Larby, and I'm here today with Laurel Simmons, my wonderful co host. Laurel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sarah.
2: And uh, what about you? Like, you know, we're coming to the end of the summer now, but hey, it's not snow and it's not freezing rain. So I'm thinking it's kind of nice. <laughs> what about you?
1: yeah I mean, I'm not a fan of anything lower than fifteen degrees Celsius, so we'll see what happens. I try to hibernate this. I was hoping with my retirement to be able to to travel, but it doesn't really look like it's gonna happen this year. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but uh you know on another note, I will say you know the Burlington property is on Airbnb. And uh, I got a company that's interested and they're going to be renting it for their executives in Vancouver, which is pretty cool. So that's, that's new. And you know, our right club nation is growing online as well, which is really cool. So if you guys haven't checked that out yet, please do so check out the forums, check out all of our awesome calendar of events that we've got going on and so much more all the time.
2: Yeah. Just, just go to the right and sign up. It's free, right? It's free. Come and join us. Talk to us. We're, we'd love to see new people join and There's lots of information there and people are sharing ideas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So today's guest is Ronald DeCoto from Property Pathways. And we really d- dig deep into how to convert a single family to duplex and some of the things to look for when it comes to zoning and flood zones and you know, lighting and just all the things that you want to know as an investor. If, you, if that's going to be your strategy, if you want to create a basement unit... Ronald is a great member to have on your team because I'll tell you there's so many intricacies. There's so many things that that can go wrong. And you definitely want to have that expert to be able to do the drawings, go to the city, do the, you know, all of that stuff on your behalf for the fraction of the cost that it's going to cost you to make those mistakes. So I recommend it. I recommend it to, you know, anybody that will ask me, you know, if you're converting something and it's your first one, especially if you're like just starting out, find somebody to help you that knows how to do it, that's done many, many of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's I guess the bottom line is, why would you do it yourself? And, and at any time, even like, because if you're not an expert in that field, there, you can make so many mistakes. And that will end up costing you time, money and energy. And who needs that, right? That's kind of false savings if you do it yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, my opinion. Absolutely. But I will say this podcast has really good insights regardless, right? Because even if you may not do it yourself, it's still important to look at a property and do some of the basic stuff and know some of the basic things to even know if something is going to work or not work, right? And so when you're going to view properties with your realtor and you can tell right away because of like a certain set of like initial criteria that it may, may work or may not work, it's going to save you a ton of time and headache if that's going to be your strategy. So it is important that you know the basics regardless and then, and then hire somebody, my, just my, you know, my advice to you guys, hire somebody to do the drawings and work with the city for the permitting and, and all that back and forth, but know the basics at least because that way you'll know if something, something makes sense. To yeah, you I you have to have, You have to have,
2: as Ronald will talk about it in, in, in our interview, you know, that you've got to kind of speak the same language. So you have to have a basic understanding of what you're getting into so that you can actually ask intelligent questions and make some decisions. If you don't know anything, it's hard to really make the right decision, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So really awesome podcast. Laurel, what do you say? Shall we uh, play the podcast? Let's go for it. All right. Ronald, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. Fantastic. Enjoying the smuggy skies, you know, and the cooler weather coming in. So, yeah, Yeah, pretty awesome.
1: My heart breaks when the summer is gone. It's so sad. (laughs) But so, so we reconnected recently when we were doing a property tour up in Peterborough. And uh, you just amaze me by how much you know about the city and permitting and drawings. And, and guys, anybody that's listening to this, if you need help with how to duplex or triplex or convert something, Ronald is a great great resource. But before we get into that, Ronald, give us a little bit of background of how you got started in you know doing what you're doing, but also in real estate investing in general.
0: Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that's that's actually it's quite an interesting journey for me. I, I actually started well becoming interested in real estate investing back in back in, I would say 2010, really, it took me a long time to really get started and actually purchase my first property. Uh, but uh, once I did purchase my first property, um, from then on, I really, um, you know, I really started to connect more, you know, coming out to groups like the Ride Club. At that time it was called So Reet. Yeah, Soul Reet
1: uh,
0: used, to, used right. to come out. Yeah, that's right. They used to come out there. Used to meet with a lot of, a lot of people, interesting people, learning quite a bit. And then uh, what happened is I purchased a property and, um, while, while I, and this time I had my full-time job. I used to work in the corporate sector. So um, I was a project manager in real estate for a, for a bank, working with a bank. And uh, you know, I used to come out to these real estate meetings, meeting interesting people. But when I decided to actually get into real estate investing on my own, I realized that there wasn't really a lot of people that knew about secondary suites. And now I know why, because secondary suites back in 2014-15 was really a new idea, really, right? So they, they had now passed these, these policies and put these policies in place. So with that said, I really took it upon myself to come to, to use my experience and education in, in architecture and construction management to really just become an expert, a subject matter expert, so that I can help others kind of go through this process And, you know, I, to some degree, I think uh, I have succeeded at that. Right. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
1: Right. Club nation. Let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas. And for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist.
0: That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value.
1: Absolutely, and they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls,
0: So now back to the podcast and now back to the show.
2: I think you're right in terms of, uh, I mean, 2014, that's not that long ago, but when you're talking about secondary sweets, like back, back in the day, you know, I'm kind of aging myself a little bit. (laughs) We talk about, you know, granny sweets or in-law sweets or that kind of thing. But I think the whole concept of secondary sweets has really taken off because first of all, zoning has changed right cities now understand that um Mm -hmm. there's no more space you can't build out and continue to gobble up our green space and our parks and all the rest of it we need to intensify that's right the 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 structures we already have and that's a great way to do it right through our through secondary suites because i can't think of how many people who have these huge homes or 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 empty nesters for example right they're still in a four-bedroom home with a fully finished basement well look at it right is
0: it is yeah. it- it's a well you know what that's actually a really interesting point you brought up there and in fact i i find that to be you know and i'm kind of mirroring the thoughts of of a, of a lot of the policymakers here on this but yeah um creating creating secondary suites is, is absolutely the most sustainable and cost-effective way to densify any community, right? So uh, if, if you're looking at you know building a high rise, imagine how much green, you know, greenhouse gases, how much effort and energy and expenses needs to go into that. Whereas if you look at an existing community, if you just add a second apartment to every house, you're doubling the capacity. Now of course that has to be said with you know thinking a green of salt because if you double the capacity of any community, you're talking about a little burden on the infrastructure, right? like sewage, gas, water, roads, schools. So that stuff is really important. And that's why the zoning is set up right now. Is, and that's why uh, the province has given municipalities the ability, they said, well, they mandated that. They must have policies that would allow secondary suites. But the municipalities now have gone ahead and pre- prepared and, uh, and published uh, these policies that would allow secondary suites. But they, they can't do it in every area. That's why you'll notice in some areas, uh, it's, you know they will say, well, you can't really install one here because if they double the capacity everywhere, then basically we, there won't be enough schools for people to to, you know, to to learn. There won't be enough water pressure to service all these properties and stuff like that, right? So yeah, it's really important, um, the, the secondary suite, uh, everything that goes into it is really important. And this is a part of the role that I play. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of one of the gatekeepers, if you want to say so, making sure people are doing this thing right. And from an investment standpoint for an investor, making sure that they're selecting the right properties that can actually be converted. Because the last thing that you want is to purchase a property and then you got all these goals and dreams to go convert this thing and start getting cash flow out of it. Only to find out that, wow, parking requirements don't match up with what it is is required. So that can be a real heartbreaker for a lot of investors, right?
1: yeah absolutely that can make or break your whole investment and your strategy and and you know unfortunately you got to do your due diligence ahead of time so just to get a scope of your experience how many secondary suites or conversions have you you done and roughly can you just share like the the area that you do coverage in
0: yeah so i would say you know in in the in the past like i say um four to five years we have completed over uh, easily over about 100, 150 designs, uh, like secondary suite designs. So this is really so. I myself, I I run an operator construction and design company, construction management and design company, and um, basically we. I'm a BCI designer myself, so. I basically understand all the parameters. So basically, we, we have done over 100, 150 secondary suite conversions. And we have done it from in every municipality. I, I like to say, like, basically, we have no geographic sensitivity. Because the truth is, when we're working with clients, they, especially investment clients, they are special clients, right? Like, because they aren't basically put in a house one time, and then next five years, they're calling us back. These are, these, are, these are people who are running businesses and they're buying properties on a frequent basis. And sometimes they may not only, like for example, they may not only purchase a property in Hamilton. They may purchase one in Hamilton in, in, in January and then in in July, in July they're, they're looking at a property that they're getting the best returns out in Barrie. Right. So right, so
1: there is a radius though, right? Like it's what two hours radius, you know, within correct. Toronto, as an example. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't think you want to necessarily get sent over to Thunder Bay or maybe you do. Okay. I don't know.
0: Well, maybe that, that's actually a really good uh, point, actually. So, yeah, I would say about an hour and a half to two hour radius in the GTA. So really we cover like, you know, if you're looking, uh, you, you know, we cover the Waterloo region, we cover the Halton region, Niagara region. We'll, we'll cover uh, like the Durham region. Right.
1: Okay, cool. And I, and I will add like every municipality and one of the things that I've learned over the years have hmm. different requirements and it's just so different even from like one town and you go to the next, like literally the next town over the next city over and it's just a different set of requirements. So, mm-hmm. so walk us through as an investor, maybe somebody that wants to get into conversions because that sometimes makes the most sense, right. Depending on where you are and what property you're, you're doing. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that they should be aware of before they go ahead and buy that piece of property? So let's just say they're going out to view a property. Walk us through some of that.
0: Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. because you know, Yeah, this is some of the things that, that actually, I, I basically consult clients every day on these very same items. I mean, uh, from, a, from a punch list or a or bullet point standpoint, uh, I'll say the first thing you want to look at is obviously the zoning because not all municipalities will allow for the conversion or the bur width conversions, I guess you can call it that right bur width conversion or in, in some in some areas, right so you have to first determine okay, is the zoning actually uh, does the zoning allow for that type of uh, conversion The second major really important piece is parking. Some municipalities will allow for parking to be in tandem, right meaning one behind the other. Others they will they actually require that you have the parking in bay parking format, meaning they're ninth degree one one beside each other right so that's really important now you know there there's also a nuance there when when you look at in some municipalities they they have different if you want to say definitions for these things right so laurel you you earlier mentioned like a granny flat or something like that. Right, so there's like granny flats, there's garden suites, there's secondary suites, there's accessory units, there is duplex, like all these different things. Coach really houses gotta have now now houses now as well,
1: and tiny <laughs> and tiny homes, <laughs> and tiny homes right? Laneway <laughs>
0: houses and all these other things. Just they're trying to create affordable housing for anyone, right? So, so yeah, so this is something that you also need to become familiar with. What is actually allowed in the various zones, and how does parking relate? Like to like co- coordinate or co- collaborate with that another really important thing that you need to look for is uh, and you won't necessarily find this in the zoning right so that's this is this is more on a conservation side you really need to look and see whether or not the property or the plot of land is located near a high floodplain right so if if, if your property or plot of land is located near a high floodplain what happens is, that you more than likely will not be able to place a secondary unit on that property without a permission from the conservation authorities, right? On these floodplain like mapping uh, people, right? Uh, they basically will, will will determine whether or not the risk is too high or too low. But as a general, as a general uh, rule of thumb, if your property is located in within a floodplain, like you just stay away from it because it will just add an extra couple months. Who knows? Maybe you never get to convert it.
1: Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's gonna bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal, private buyers. They help investors by bringing them some off market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also going to focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form and start getting and seeing some available off market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca ca now back to the podcast yeah
2: and as i recall from some of my uh, studies is that it's like a hundred year floodplain right like so people will say well there hasn't been a flood here in 20 or 30 years that's right too bad so sad a hundred years ago there was a flood and (laughs) there was one then there's nothing to say that there can't be one tomorrow
0: well laurel you know you that's a really interesting point to bring up so i mean does this kind of tap in back into some of my past experiences so, you know, uh, the 100-year floodplain, that, that what that's really, the 100-year flood that they're talking about, when, when cities are designing their infrastructure, like for drainage, water runoff and stuff, that's what they look at. They look at the, the last 100 years and look at forward, what what do the 100-year from now a flood look like, right? And they try to design for that. Now, if you purchase a property that is within uh, a floodplain, sometimes it doesn't mean that 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 area floods. It just means that that area has a higher risk of flooding if we experience that 100-year flood that they they designed the infrastructure based on, right? So so that's really interesting and something that you need to make note of when you're looking at these secondary units.
1: Yeah. And before you go on to the next thing, where Mm -hmm. can somebody go to find if their property that they're looking at is in a flood zone?
0: Oh man, you're asking me. This is what I get paid for. Okay, okay, fine. (laughs) Only for the right club. Only for the right club. (laughs) Come (laughs) on. Okay, okay. So really, honestly, Google is your friend, right? I. uh, That's probably one of the things. Like I I really excel that. Like I'm. I'm a research fanatic. If I need to find something, I'll find it. You know, like there's nothing that can be hidden. In fact, I actually when I used to work in my nine to five, I actually researched so deeply into a company that I found such information that during the interview, the guy was like, how do you notice stuff? You know, like how, there's no way you could notice. I was like, yeah, I got insiders. But really Google is my insider. And if you, if you search long and hard enough, you'll find all the information you need. So what I typically do is really simple. It's just floodplain in Welland, floodplain in Cambridge, floodplain. And they have a lot of interactive maps now. Sometimes they're a little bit tricky to use, but honestly, uh, you can give me an address I know within five minutes, I can get you all the information you need to know if you need to buy that property or not, right? So um, all the information is really online. You just need somewhat of an expert lens to kind of just view the information, right?
2: I think that would be, it just occurred to me that that would be really kind of cool. Just you could look up your own address and see where you are. Like, forget about the conversion, just see your own address where you live. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then uh, all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, that has implications for insurance and all kinds of things. So... Maybe if you're not in a floodplain, you can go back to your insurance and say, hey, you know, I noticed that, you know, there's this little writer about floods and I'm not in the floodplain, so what's going on? And exactly. Let's negotiate. I mean, everything's negotiable, right? But if you have the information and, and you've got the facts behind you, then, hey, who knows what can happen?
0: Wow. I never actually thought of it in that way, but yeah. All right. I want Maybe my you can commission. save some insurance money.
1: <laughs> I want my commission. <laughs>
0: you want <the> commission? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and you know what? You're, you're likely not going to be able to finish the basement and finish it nicely. Like I know a lot of my properties in Brantford are in Eagle Place and there's lots and Ronald, you probably know this, but there's mm-hmm. like flood zones in the majority of that area. That's so right. they're great for burring singles. They're not great for burying, you know, into conversions.
0: Oh yeah, like I uh, did. You know, that is so is so risky. A lot of people don't even know how risky floodplains are, but I guarantee you, you do not want to put just a property in a flood zone because e- even if you are allowed to put a prop, uh, basement apartment in there or secondary suite, whatever you choose to call it, uh, you would have to do, if they allow you, it will come with a lot of recommendations, which would probably be waterproofing the entire thing and making this you know which, which would probably bump your renovation budget from 120 to maybe 180, 90, right? Like who knows? Mm-hmm. So, if, yeah. even,
1: and it might not even be allowed regardless. So just, yeah. just to go back though, like if it isn't a floodplain and you can burr a property without converting it, that could still work. But just fine right. and you can't likely duplex it, right? Or or add That's a very sweet
0: So okay, now so you have a second exit. That's right.
1: Exactly. So after you you do the flood zone and the checking and everything like that, what's the mm-hmm. next thing that you would recommend somebody do?
0: Well, the next thing is that they sign up with me, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> No, but okay. But you know what? In in all, and I know
1: we're just joking, but I'll tell you as an investor, I don't want to work in that part of my business. I would rather delegate it out to somebody that knows the city, knows the rules, can do it a lot more efficiently than I could. And to be honest, like the city, some of the cities are so slow and horrible to deal with. I would rather just hire somebody to take care of that piece and work on the overall business. So, 100%. If somebody is doing conversion and it's your first conversion or your second conversion, or you're still, you know, just, just hire the experts that have done hundreds of them so that they can help guide you, do it for you, do the drawings, get the drawings approved and and walk you through each step because you're, you're, you're helping them throughout the whole process of the conversion as well. But, oh, but keep going. I know you were just joking, but, but it no, is really <laughs> important to hire the experts for this kind
0: of stuff. No, that's great I, I advice.
1: I want to add something in there. Like in the, yeah. in the summer, we,
2: we actually were considering converting, uh, a basement to a secondary suite and mm-hmm. we were just just considering like at the very beginning of the process and we brought somebody in who actually has something you know has a lot of experience mm-hmm. and out of that conversation <laughs> came it's like oh i don't think so <laughs> just because there were things we had not we never even thought of right well okay parking's an issue so you're gonna have to have an exit out here and that means oh guess what the fire the gas fireplace has to be totally rerouted and 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 the fireplace is going to come or the, the parking lot is going to come on exactly where the uh the patio is and all oh, of yeah. a sudden you're oh, into yeah. not just thousands of dollars but tens of thousands
0: of dollars oh yeah to
2: make oh, it yeah. work
0: absolutely well I rather know that you know, that's that's a really interesting point you're making there because you know in fact I will say this um I'll add to what it is it to Sarah mentioned earlier on about working with the experts now not not every not every expert is cut from the same cloth because you know you I, I have actually been hired to redo drawings completed by registered architects and so forth it's not because they're not good at what they do but they're simply not an expert in this particular area right if you ask me to design a 50-story building that would you'll probably be hiring the wrong person but they asked me to do a secondary suite. There is really nothing that I don't know about that in most municipalities or throughout Ontario or wouldn't be able to find out and be able to execute on that in an efficient manner. So yeah, you really need to have the right experts on your team, right? So that's super important. So. You know, going back to, to, to this bullet point list, I would say, this is also another thing. And and now this is all zoning items we're talking about. We haven't even touched on the building code side of things, right, guys? So I don't know if you're going to have the time to go through it. But uh, just on the, on the zoning side of things, we, you know, th- this is something that is always, that's never really mentioned, but it's something that is really important. And it's going to sneak by. And this is called the, like heritage, heritage committee, heritage buildings the last thing you want to do is purchase a building that has heritage, like it's listed or designated, man, like that would be the worst worst case for you. Because then it's the whole community is fighting against you. Right. So uh,
2: I know. And I, I've seen like where we live (laughs) in Niagara on the Lake, there's a lot of heritage.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
2: Right. And every time I walk like in the old town and I see the the plaque, Mm -hmm. the special plaque, and I know owners are so proud of this. And I look at that and I go, Oh, Oh Oh, Oh, OMG, (laughs) this is probably cost you how much money and what you cannot do because you you have this little plaque. Why Mm -hmm. did you do that? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, this is this is actually a big deal. And what, what happens is and and I always do this search just in case. And I'll tell you what I do all these search. So someone will just call me. They will not pay me a dollar, although I do have a paid service as well. But they will just call me or just send me an address, and I will say, you know what? I will go through all the due diligence simply because, oftentimes, this business calling me because they want me to design this this property and deliver on the on on approved drawings for a secondary unit. Now, if I am unable to do that or make a poor suggestion or recommendation, then I uh, I I do find myself responsible, right? I just think like I need to put uh, do all the due diligence possible. So I, I I do all this stuff. I look all this up. So yes, I do look to see if if the building is designated or if it is in a designated area, right? Like sometimes a neighborhood could be designated. So that's really important.
1: Yeah, look at downtown Oakville feel like that whole area that's walkable to downtown is all designated
0: <laughs> i mean mind you like so i'll tell you you know i have a caveat here because i would say even though a business building might be designated or even listed right there's a difference there you know it doesn't mean that you you won't be able to add a secondary unit you'll just have a few more hurdles to jump right because you got to go through the heritage committee get their approval and so forth and you won't be able to do anything on the exterior like adding a deck or or, or removing some sort of tree that's been sitting there for a hundred years or some sort of something
1: like that, right? And, and if you do, then you've got to do it a certain way, right? Like they would have back so in the, right. whenever
0: that was done. That's right, that so you have done. to maintain the style,
1: yes. So, so I have a question because you talked about listed and designated and I was mm-hmm. doing some research at one point on the difference between that. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but I think it's still interesting because yes, there are heritage listed and then there are heritage designated and what's the difference? Yeah
0: well listed is when someone just inquires about a building and sort of brings it to the attention of the committee or the city and says well this building looks like Georgian you know, or victoria you know it has some specific elements like the veranda looks some sort of special way and they're like listen we want to we want to actually put in an application so that we can protect this now a lot of times what happens is this happens with the neighbors or the community they they, they will they will go to the to, to the committee and say like we need to stop this developer from demolition, this building. So what, what they would do, they would list the building, but there's still the process of verifying whether it actually meets the criteria to be a, a heritage building, right? So, in during that process is listed, but once that process has been verified, then it becomes a designated building and there's no way you can knock it down So or, or modify it. So listing um, is just, is kind of like neighbors doing it, designating is really the city confirming it, right? So I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, it does. That's cool. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit and yes, just talk about like the actual property itself. Let's just say it passed all the zoning, it passed the flood mm-hmm. zone thing, the heritage thing, you know, everything nice. else. you look at a property, what are like, like maybe like just a few key things to look for off the top mm-hmm. of your head, 30,000 foot view.
0: 30,000 foot view, headroom clearance, major things. All right. So as soon as you walk down, if you're, if you, if you have to bow your head to get down the, the, the last riser, that's a problem. That's something to be concerned with. Uh, just quickly. It's supposed to be five feet eleven inches. If you don't get that from the from the top of the tread or the nosing of the tread to the headroom clearance of the stairs, you're you're probably not. It's probably not going to pass uh, um, the inspector eyes as well. Once you get down to this, once you get down to the bottom of the stairs, the next thing you want to look at. Just make sure take a measuring tape. You want to measure. Of course, this is a lot of measuring, guys. But these are the key things you want to look for, right? Headroom clearance as well as egress. At part of egress, you need to maintain six feet five inches throughout uh, underneath beams and ducts, right, any bulkheads or anything like that. Especially if it's in the part of egress, that's the direction you're going to use to exit the building. You need to make sure that there's five feet six inches. Now, with that said, in Hamilton, they give you a little break; they they just keep it at six feet one inch. So that's a real plus, and that's just really helpful uh, for a lot of people in, in Hamilton. Uh, Only that's the only municipality that does that. Um, The next thing you want to look at, and this is this is not necessarily, um, it's a little more challenging for the untrained eye, but you need to have natural lighting, and egress requirements, right? Now, one of the biggest misnomer misconceptions is like, if I were to ask you, do you need to put an egress window in a basement, right? And this, you know. Where 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 does this window go? Most people will say, "Oh, like uh, yeah, I was told we need to put an egress window in every bedroom." Well, that's not the case. In fact, in some properties, you don't even need an egress window. So, what the building code states is that if you have a a um, if you have direct access to the exterior from the floor that has a bedroom, there's no need for an egress. However, in most basements, oftentimes the the the, the part to egress leads to a stairs that is above grade. It's not on the same floor as bedrooms. So you just need to include one egress window on the floor that has the the, uh, bedrooms. And it doesn't need to be inside the bedrooms. It can be in the living room, kitchen, anywhere else, right? Oftentimes, it just makes sense to put it inside the living room. So this is another important piece here because living rooms require 5% natural lighting. When I say 5%, 5% 5% of the, of the window, 5% of the window needs to represent 5% of the floor area. That's the glazed area of the window, right? So in the living room, oftentimes to achieve that 5%, you oftentimes need to cut a new window out ensure, there's no one that I know I've done secondary suites that is not familiar with cutting basement windows out and adding new lintels and stuff like that. So that's really important. Uh, so that's one of the things that I, that I think is uh, that oftentimes get overlooked because when you look at a property, sometimes there is just really difficult to achieve the natural light that you will need in bedrooms and living rooms and dining rooms. It's very difficult if, or if around the property, there's a deck or if the property line is so close to the, to the, the building is the building wall is so close to the property line that you wouldn't be able to put a window well there or something. So all these are factors that when I go into property, I look at it holistically and I really try to assess whether or not these things are going to make me look like a liar or not. Right. So, and I I hate to look like a liar. Right. So I, when I say yes, I, I I gotta be able to deliver on this stuff. And you know, there's another big thing that I think is really important to mention. So there's this, there's this big move to be lifting beams and, and, and ducks and stuff like that. Guys, this stuff is really interesting. I would say anyone can do it. I love doing it because why it opens spaces up. You can remove columns and, you know, you have all this huge open concept in a basement. That's great. However, when you start moving ducts and beams, you get into, you open up a can of worms. I don't know, it starts stoking the fire, you know, bees nest and yeah, (laughs) it costs a lot more money, right? to, to, To achieve the end product. All right, so um, I would say yes. Uh, keep that in mind, and also really important, you know, when you when you start moving ducks or squish squishing ducks, you'll hear a lot about that, right? Everyone is like, yeah, you can squish ducks. Just go slimline ducks. Like that is great. However, once you start modifying the existing duck system too much, the building department sometimes will ask you for an HVAC design and a heat loss calculation because now you have basically. Re- redesigned and the, the entire, um, the existing layout, right? So that's really important to know. And um, I would say the next thing that's really important is the smoke detectors. So smoke detectors do not belong in kitchens. Like guys, just drop the thought. Like you do not need a smoke alarm inside a smoke alarm inside the kitchen. So in fact, if you do that, sometimes you run the risk of having these interconnected smoke alarms throughout the properties like set off every time someone burns a toast, right? So that can become super annoying, right? So as per the building code, all we need to do is install smoke alarms inside of the bedrooms and the hallway leading to bedrooms, as well as inside every floor, every, every level of, of a property. So I'll tell you why that's important. So, but I'll begin first by, by speaking about the smoke alarm. So the smoke alarms, we need to have a two-in-one in each bedroom. The two-in-one represents uh, the audible alarm and the visual visual just visual strobing lights. That's a two-in-one. The three-in-one just we're just adding a carbon monoxide detector to that, right? So you have a three-in-one in the hallway leading to bedrooms, or if you have a really open concept layout, you just need to put it close to the bedroom if there's no hallway leading to the bedrooms, right? And then we of course we need to have one inside the furnished room as well as I like to call it an inline smoke detector, duct smoke detector. But we need to have one on on the duct supply line, and that's you need to have that in there. Especially if, well, not especially since that furnace is serving both units. Any furnace serving two units, you need to have a smoke detector mounted on there. It's a special device that shuts off the fuel to 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 the unit and then cuts off all power to 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 the um, to the furnace. So. With all that said, you know, I mean, I can get into a whole lot more. Like there's just a lot more and I love talking about this stuff. So, you know. um,
2: It also strikes me that, I mean, we kind of briefly just touched on it, but um, you know, when when you're moving things around and you've always got to keep in mind structural design, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get into massive changes at massive expense. If you start fooling around with, with the load-bearing columns or beams or whatever it is, like that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, it's, it's costly. That's right, Laura. It is costly. However, there is a there is, cost-efficient way to do things. Uh, so I will say this. That is never really my first solution. My first solution is always to, to design a wrong egress. So meaning, you know, rather than having to lift a duct or a beam, To create uh, the headroom clearance, the six foot five inch clearance that that we talked about earlier on, rather than doing that, I I I usually like to I usually like to look at how can we move around that low headroom clearance but still create an efficient design and a good flow through the space, right? So I tried. uh, That's the most cost effective way to do it. Now, if that is not achievable, then I try to look at how what's the least amount of Area that I need to actually lift or modify structurally to accomplish that same end. So, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, can I? Can I ask? Well, okay. I, I just got to ask this question. This yeah, is a sure. burning question. A burning, <laughs> burning question. Yeah. I want to know what is the most disastrous, <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Pull out your hair and everyone else's hair. Mm-hmm. Project. Within, you know like a few sentences uh, <laughs> that you ever worked on because i bet you've got more than one.
0: Oh yeah they're, they're 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 not they're from a few between but when they come whoa they they, they come heavy you know um yeah like uh this is this is a problem I, I usually i like to call myself a problem solver i think that's a huge part of what i do i solve problems and you know, anywhere I believe I can add value, that's where I try to, that's where I think I can be most effective, right? So with that said, you know, when when I when I kind of somewhat sorted started out and doing the construction management piece of things, I actually started to do a lot of takeovers. So there's a lot of projects that are going wrong throughout, like even in areas. Sometimes you'll drive by a house and be like, whoa, that property has been under renovation for a year. Like, how come it's not done as yet? Well. Those are projects that when when I when I started out, like, you know, taking on construction management projects, I I, I took on quite a bit of those. And I'll say it is really difficult when you take on a project and someone has left it in shambles. Like cause now you gotta undo what they did and then you gotta bring it back up to, to the standard that it needs to be. So um yeah. Uh, to, 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 to give you a specific example, like I just recently, in fact, I I took over a project and, um, you know, working on it, there was, it was just a finished job, right? It was just a matter of finishing the job. However, when the inspector came in to, to on the final inspection on that day, uh, it was a project takeover. I, I finished the job, the inspector came and he said, oh, why did you guys close that wall up? I was like, what do you mean? Why are we close it up? It's, the, the wall, the wall was, was framed in. All we did was paint it and finish it. He said, no, that wall needs to come down. But not only that wall, the floor needs to come out. But not only the floor needs to come out, we need to support that new, that, that existing structure with LVLs. Dig a footing down, put a new post in. It's like remove HVAC work, remove el- electrical work. So what what was supposed to be just like a $5,000 job turned out to be like a, like a $30,000 gig, right? So, and it took like about three weeks. I mean, but again, I pride myself in, in really, like I, I will never leave a client hanging. Even if I'm coming out of pocket, once I make a commitment, that's what I'm sticking to, right? Uh, I mean, of course, I'm not going to be taken advantage of, but with that said, I got to deliver on what it is I said I'm going to deliver on. And with that said, I work with the, with the, with the best guys I like to think um, in, in this field. And they they also know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, when we put our heads together, there's no solution that we cannot find. So, with, you know, and the, the building inspectors really appreciate when someone is working on a project and they understand what they're working on. They're not just someone who's pushing tools around, but they understand all the logistics and the paperwork and what needs to be done from a legal standpoint, building code standpoint, zoning standpoint. And that's where I gain a lot of respect in the municipalities that I work in, so um, yeah
1: yeah, that's I mean, that's a really important part. So, you know, one of the things that I would just say is, Like the benefit of having somebody like you at the job is you're probably seeing a lot of the same inspectors, anyways. You probably know them by name. You know what they're going to look for. You know which ones are easier to work with. You can probably ask for a certain one over a certain other person. But, you know, and and there's so many things that we haven't even talked about. And, you know, we only have about half an hour to go through this podcast, but we haven't talked about parking. We haven't even talked about like how some municipalities have a minimum, some have a maximum amount of square Mm. footage that you could do in a basement. So I will tell you, it is quite complex for the little amount of cost, in my opinion, for the amount of headaches saved and I think money and, and chaos, just hire this part out. Hire this part out, especially if you're starting out and you'll have somebody that that does the drawing for you, brings it to the city, works with the cities, get it approved and then, but I think you, you said something really important, you work with the inspectors, right? So they, they come right. and you're actually able to have the same kind of conversation, the same language. You know what they're looking for at each step because you don't just go to the city and you get the permit and then you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately, it's not that easy anymore. This is 2020. And, and of course, they, they have to come at different stages and then they say, oh, well, this is good or this is not good.
0: So that's right. What you're saying there, Sarah, is so true. I, I like to say when someone hires me, they, they hire me to do three things or to speak to three audience, right? Uh, the first audience is of course yourself, like I'm speaking to you, right? The second is the building department, right? And the third is the contractor, right? So I, 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 I am the one that's really the, the, the central point that making sure that all these conversations that nothing is getting missed or miscommunicated uh, because especially when it comes to the contractor and the building inspectors, so, some, bills, some contractors will walk off the job because they're sick and tired of the inspectors because they don't speak the same language. And what i mean they don't speak building code that's actually like a language i speak that language so you know and well, you know the thing is when i say i show up on site especially like in areas that i work and we kind of spoke about this earlier like in saint catherine's where everyone is like oh my gosh it's like the you know very challenging municipality i enjoy working there and i have built out the strongest relationships there uh you know because i brought the most value and i've earned the respect of all the building inspectors the plans examiners and the front desk staff so i mean that's what it is you really want to work with right and you know, I, I say I always like to say contractors build or renovate properties. You know, for relationship build cities, right? So that's that's, that's something you want to always make sure that who you're working with, they have strong relationship and ties. Not that that will somehow allow you to to sort of maneuver around some of the requirements. No, that is not going to happen. This is building construction, right? Uh, however, that will allow you to have conversations and have everyone come together and create solutions that may not necessarily seem to exist. So yeah, right. um, It's important.
1: So, I mean, Ronald, I think it's time for our lightning round. We could keep asking you questions. We're definitely going to have to have you come back, whether it's a (laughs) webinar with the right club or something else, just because there's so much information that we could do and every single piece could be a whole hour conversation as well. It's just so valuable. So thank you for sharing all your insights. Are you ready for the lightning round though? And check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round.
0: Okay, sure. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go. Question number one, Ronald, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: The best advice that I have received was just do it, just just get just go out and get the job done. If, the the worst thing that you can do is is hold off on a decision to buy a property or hold off on a, on a decision to do something that will that will help someone or even help yourself. So just do it. Like that. That was one of the biggest advice I think I received. In fact, I received it right on a, uh, right at the right club, right <laughs> in one of those networking events there. Yeah.
2: All right. <laughs> So now question number two, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? You know, book, training, person, event, whatever. What's your favorite, what's your favorite resource?
0: Yeah, uh, I would say, um, you know, networking events. My favorite resource would be, uh, you know, honestly, uh, one of the first books that, that, I, that I read for real estate investing in Canada. Right? Like that's um, I, it's, it's a blue book. I, I don't even know what it is. Uh, what, who actually wrote it? I can't recall anyway. But that was a huge, it really helped me to understand all the aspects of kind of investing, like who, uh, like all the pieces that I need to kind of put together the financing and the, you know, the the getting the property, finding the property, putting the team together. So that, that was really important uh, and a uh, uh, very useful book in real estate investing in Canada. All
1: right, cool. Number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful?
0: Um, perseverance. Yeah, like uh, I, I really just, I'm, I'm, a stick, I'm a stick to it kind of guy. Like um, I, I really have no quit in me. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that about myself, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how humble that is. But uh, yeah, I, I generally don't quit on something. When I set my mind to something, uh, generally it's going to come to pass. Uh, it will eventually come to pass and I really don't, um, I don't really care what anyone else is thinking or saying. Like I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Somehow, some way it's going to work. Right. Like, so, yeah.
2: And that's really powerful. That's why you're successful.
0: <laughs> well, so, on some level, I've, I've seen a lot of successful people. I'm getting there.
2: <laughs> All right. And question number four. So what do you typically do on a Sunday morning?
0: Oh boy! Oh, well, I don't know if my wife will like this, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Usually, when I get up, the first thing that I do after giving thanks for for having life, you know, I basically, <laughs> I basically go to work. <laughs> like, I gotta check my emails. Like, you know, I, like this is a young business, right? Like, it's it's still in its infancy stage. Like, maybe moving out into moving more, like, kind of out into maybe a dollar cents, but really and truly like when i when i wake in the morning like i, I think about this business i think about who tis, who messaged me yesterday how who all the things that i need to be doing i i gotta just get the job done i don't have a lot of people that are counting on me even right now as i'm on this call i got a lot of people that are counting on me to deliver on my promises so i, I don't want to let them down so and then once i'm done that then i like, try to you know release my mind and then go back to family and spend some time with the family in fact, on some, some Sundays, my, 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 my son, my wife, we are, we are on project sites. We're running project sites and looking to see oh, what's happening. Funny. Like, so, yeah, I mean, <gasps> it's just a family it's business. Right there. <laughs> keep, they're there, right? We, we make a family time out of it. So as nice. I say, my wife wouldn't be so happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Ronald, where
1: can the Right Club Nation, the listeners, reach out if they wanted to know more about you and find out more?
0: Okay, great. So, if someone wanted to get in contact with me, I am super active on Instagram. I only joined last year. I just got my my one year uh, sort of anniversary on Instagram on September the thirteenth. So I was like, wow, that's awesome. But I actually really like it because What's your I just,
1: Instagram handle. Before my Instagram
0: on. handle it is uh, it is property partways. So just at property partways. My Facebook is at property partways. My 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 website is property partways. Dot ca, right? That's property pathways.ca, and of course, you can email me at inquire with an e at property pathways.ca. So it's all property pathways. You can't miss me, just Google property pathways, you'll find us.
1: Amazing, awesome. Any final last words of advice?
0: Last words of advice is that you know, secondary suites is, is not a walk in the path make sure and work with the experts. I'm definitely one of those guys. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions. I'm, I'm an open book and I'm re- ready and willing to help.
1: Amazing, Ronald, thank you so much for being on our show.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah, great. Thank great. you so much, Laurel.
1: So Sarah,
2: wow, I don't know about you, but I sure learned a lot from that uh, that interview. Like, wow, like my head was a kind of exploding with everything he knows. And all the things i don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's definitely a wealth of knowledge, and I will say that like when you you know he's done a hundred or one hundred and fifty of these in many different municipalities, so i mean it it's great to be able to like just get some tidbits and some insights from him on on different things that we should look out for if that is our plan to convert into do basement suites. And uh, I will say, you know, he is he is great. I, I took some students, my birth students out in Peterborough when he came along and he was showing us how to, you know, look at different properties and what to look for. And it was just so valuable to, to see him in action as well. And I will say he also puts together, and he didn't say this cause he's very humble, but he, he puts together a whole like file of like, here are the things that this property has, and you know, here's my assessment on it. And like, he provides that to the investors which is really cool by property so that they know going in before they actually firm up on something like, is it doable or is it not doable? And I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. That's really valuable information because it, it just helps you make decisions. And, and I think not only that, but when you make the decision, you, there's, there's kind of a path, there's a path going forward for you. You know, what's next and what's next. And well, we all have limited time, right. Limited resources. So we got to make them
1: make the most of what we've got. Absolutely. So guys, Property Pathways, Ronald, Dakota, thank you for listening. Right Club Nation, thanks for tuning in. And don't forget, register for free, therightclub.com and check out all of the awesome information that we've got there. Thanks so much, Laurel, as well, for being a great host. And uh, guys, Right Club Nation, don't forget, come grow with us. Come grow with us. See you next time.